You all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Yeah. Albert Shivers. The Matrix doesn't happen. That's very true. Come along quietly or not. They don't have to like it, but they're going to see what happens. Goodbye, wimps. And now, without further ado, from Albert Shivers. The general concept is that creativity flourishes in an in a atmosphere of freedom. I wanna know where we can go. We could drink the water, and if we walk from there to the highest mountain, could we see Just to sell it off Well, they would kill it all if they could prove it Just like a free fall downward, downward we go. As we spiral, we are out of control. With no more foundation, yes, we fall, we fall, and as we fall, we fall. Long story. You should have known that there would be disaster. One source of blood. You should have used your eyes, but they were made for. Buildings falling, natural disasters. Weak source wars, political scandals. And the temperature's harder We all knew, but nobody bothered Then we're out of control We are just like a free fall downward Downward we go As we spiral We are out of control With no more foundation Yes, we fall, we fall And yes, we fall, we fall We're as we Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. This is Albert Shivers, and the song you just heard was Spiral by the band Pow Wow, who is the special guest on this episode today. Now, we don't have the whole band, but founding member Tom Dente and their newest member, our buddy Isaac Wilson, joined the show during our big roundtable recording to talk about the band Pow Wow and everything that's behind it. So I'm not going to jab on too long in this episode. I just want to jump right to the Pow Wow conversation. But don't forget, you can check out what I'm doing with art, film, and the podcast on Instagram at Albert Shivers or on your computer or phone at www.albertshivers.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. I enjoyed talking to Tom and Isaac about the band, as well as the thought process and mythology behind all of what they're doing. This podcast is also a branch off of the roundtable recordings that we did, so you're sitting at the table with everybody. The levels may go up and down. When did gum get so soft, you sons of bitches? 
You know what this country used to chew? Tree bark, glass, shotgun shells, the broken swords of our vanquished enemies. That's why I buy Bazooka Joe gum. It's like chewing a mountain that someone shot a freeze ray into. What's wrong with this country, huh? When did we lose our way? Detroit? Life is hard. Shouldn't everything else be harder? Yeah. So I'd like to hear from each of you what the band is about, how it was founded, what and what. So you guys go, correct me at any point if I'm wrong, but you guys talk about yourselves as farm core. Yeah. And I'd like to know, seriously, what, where that came from and what the meaning is behind it. Because when you, when Isaac first explained it to me, I was intrigued. And I was interested in knowing more about it, deeper about it. So go for How did you explain it? I want to know what he says, yeah? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess I use call it a genre kind of unlike anything. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really a, um, a genre, you would say, that's found around it. Um, yeah, it's just this sort of Northeast PA circuit of, uh, you know, music and stuff. <laughs> I, I, I guess how it was like, you know, Brian, our drummer, he's goofy. So how, how the farm core thing came up was like, we were always trying to just figure out some kind of thing. It was eco core, it was other things over there. And farm core just stuck, you know, when we wrote like Back to the Farm, that, that song. Like we're gonna call at, at some point do a whole album called Back to the Farm. And we just stuck with farm core. But we just think that like uh, sustainable agriculture, small scale, done on a large scale, would solve a lot of problems uh, for humanity. But of course, uh, <clears throat> there's so much uh, what do you call it, false. Uh, the money's all fucked up, you know, so it might not work, but, but, but yeah, we think agriculture is a way, so we just called it Farm Corps, and we thought it was a cool name, and it kind of stuck, and people think it's unique, and we never heard it, so, right, it's almost like a sales pitch, like a unique oh, yeah. idea, yeah, 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 it really stands yeah. out, I've never heard it stuff, no, and that's what people say, it's a talking point. But farming ain't going to save us because of subsidies. So, you know, this is a political thing, right? We're not really into politics. We don't take sides as a band. But, yeah, we sing Farm Corps because I, I know that, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and spiritual well-being is all we need to survive. But as long as there's property tax and income tax, well, forget it. And, and, and keeping food cheap in the store keeps it so you can't really. But, yeah, I don't, we're one of the first cultures removed from our food source and making our own food. Not only ever people that ever did that was like slaves and prisoners. So it's just strange that in this country where they boast freedom and pound their chest out all this shit, we don't even fucking have nothing to eat. It's a byproduct of the Industrial Revolution. The military-industrial complex and so many conversations to how did this happen. But Jesus, Lord, it's a fucking bizarre thing, man. So we sing about it. It's a dialogue. You know, I feel like I'm in a weird movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're all because we all I grow a lot of food. Brian's into it. Tony's kind of new in it. Isaac and his family is really cool. Like getting Isaac, we want to say was real cool for us because he can play. And I knew his dad first through what music stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up there. Then, yeah, I remember when I first started trying to do lessons up here. I, I think I went. Did your folks have some kind of paper or something? Yeah, there? the Village View. So I advertised in the Village View. I went that's in my pops. Sat down with them. I'm like, I want to put that in for doing music lessons, and they did. And I, I got, you know, eight or ten students, and I was doing lessons over in Jersey. And I'm and sure he would have told me, and I'm sure I would have seen it. 
But yeah, and so that's so we just knew, knew Isaac like, yeah. and and, and He's a straight, him as a treat because just uh, or it's a mix. And he gets to farm and stuff, man. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, but, it's awesome. Yeah, I think just everybody should grow food and hang out and that's play like, drums and music and that's, yeah, it seems knock off the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like even in a religious connotation, which I'm not, but like if Jesus couldn't have fed the Smoky. multitude, they'd rip each other to shreds. We'll go counterclockwise, right. right? You know what I mean? So we really, if, you know, or like when the Soviet Union collapsed, they're pretty largely agrarian. There wasn't so much craziness but if this goes down man nobody's gonna have nothing to eat this would be really bad this would be like Somalia <laughs> which we were talking about before people losing their way they dose them up with the western medicine right the guns mm-hmm. and booze and stripper girls it's, and stuff it, it's, and then it, there's nothing, no, nothing left to eat <clears throat> when you lose that when the gas goes out or the lights go out so we sing about all this shit That's where which is a cool thing from. yeah so would you say so I've seen you guys play a handful of times would you say that the heaviness of your music reflects these messages, messages that you're trying to put out there? Not at all. That's okay. a bizarre thing that happened to us. Um, I love music, all music, and I've been always in all kind of music. But like um, the first time I went to a hardcore show, which was probably at like CC's up in music, and seeing that level of uh, intensity oh, yeah. from like 50 well, people, needs to be. I said, holy shit. And you know... Then I got into that music and started listening to it, you know, hardcore and punk ska, all this shit. But, and for a while I thought, until I got to know and got older and wiser, that maybe these guys had a real movement and they were going to do things that they don't. Because, like, even at our shows, they'd be like, hey, you want to go to White Castle after this? And I'm like, yeah. I just hit him in the head with a chair Did you listen to this? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, no. Thanks, bro. <laughs> but... Uh, the intensity of it was just because I thought... It's a little radical. We're in a radical place. The message, it's really hippie music, but just done with like machine guns, right? As far as music goes, if you could call it like that, you know, it's, it's just so you balance the sound. Yeah, yeah. I say yeah. It matches the like sort of um, intensity of the message. <clears throat> you would, um, but yeah, just the philosophy big on like yeah, self sustainability. There's like a real duality to it, like having a self-sustainable, hippie, nice, peaceful message. Because we're not singing about war and violence, not at all. We're singing mostly about peace. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're angry about what's going on with our culture and stuff. And, like, the you know, this fucking nonsense, this uh, corporatist, uh, it's not even real capitalism. It's not even real socialism. It's all this weird shit. You know, they privatize uh, 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 profit and socialize debt on us and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So but I should open with this talking to you guys about the band, but for the record, what's what does powwow stand for? Oh, pain of wisdom in a world of waste. Okay. <laughs> Where did y'all come up with that? Um, selling point, right? Well, no, really, like uh, critical thinking, right? Somewhere along the line, I, in my life, I came to critical thinking, and then like one of the first uh, major phases of critical thinking is, uh, you know, some people go through depression, so I did. Yeah, yeah, right, because you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on, man, right? And so drugs and stuff won't work so much. And we, I never did hard drugs. That's a joke I say, but like, you know, alcohol and stuff. But like, uh, no, we just, the smarter you get, the worse it is what you see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I say that humbly. I'm not trying to say I'm a smart guy oh, or nothing, yeah. but you know, yeah. if you're tapped in and you pay attention, There's and you got your wisdom. It's the pain of wisdom, and this yeah. world is just a world of waste. But that's nature, man. 
conscious state of nature has changed. And I find, as I get older, I find solace in this because, you know, where am I going to be? I could really sing the blues because I know these things. But, mm. which in the duality of message is a big infusion okay. of different styles of music. We have a, a punk metal drummer, a rock blues guitarist, and a funk jazz bassist. So it's, and a guy that really don't sing, he's just talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? In different tones of uh, intensity. So it's really weird. And him, I don't know, what would you, yeah, I mean, you're a blues, rock, funk guitarist. He's finding it. So, yeah, so he's finding always, it. But you're always finding funky. it. He's like, no, it's something. What style would you say you are? I would say you're funky. So I think it's a very unique style. Yeah. Yeah, I don't It's very, it's meshing. We couldn't be happier. Like, because uh, we've been a three-piece. You well, the listen. band's 15 years old. The band, so we were a two-piece for like two years. Uh-huh. And then we were a three-piece for... We've always had guys come and go, guitar player mm -hmm. here and there, but like uh, probably, if, well, for 15 years old, we've been a three-piece for 13 of that. So, you know, like it's, it's, but he's going to fit fitting in. And he started writing right away. So, in fact, what, yeah, we gave him 12 songs learning. He learned them like good. 10 days. That's how you do it. I'm shocked. He's right next door. He was playing. <laughs> I was shocked. Dude. <laughs> I was. I was surprised because you know we're you know me. I'm like he's hanging out. I'm like yeah. What the fuck? He's always saying let's jam, let's jam. I'm like damn man, just learn the songs to the band, you know, because I don't have a lot of time. And when I do jam, you know, I do studio shit with other stuff, and I do a lot of stuff. And and so when he started learning the shit, I mean, I jammed him a few times over the years, so I knew I had chops. But when he learned, then when he learned the songs, yeah, a big change. Yeah, you know, just like with the open mics and mic and everything, mm -hmm. just sitting down for a week straight, just listening to stuff over and over until it's just, yeah, part of who you are. Was that right around the same time? You starting to, like, hit the open mics and then hop in? Yeah, it was, like, right before. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was, like, that, that summer. He was doing that a little before from, I knew he was doing it. From my yeah, perspective, seeing that, because mm -hmm. Isaac's been playing since I was a little kid. Right. So to see him playing and playing and playing, and all of a sudden he's playing in bars... And he jumped right into a band. He's playing shows and shit. It was just crazy. No, it really was. It was pretty crazy. crazy. It happened. It's an awesome experience. Yeah, it's sure. it's, it, it's all a fucking. <laughs> it's an illusion. It's a, that's that's. It's happening. Right uh, playing with playing with Rob. He he had the best band name ever. Smoke and Mirrors. That's a good which guess. that's how we started. It's an illusion. Yeah. And I want to say the other two guys in the band like uh, like, you know, it's hard to hear it and be objective to it. But now, like, when I listen to it, I'm like, holy fuck, man. <laughs> the man's awesome. And it's because we got a killer bass player. He's really good. Those guys are good. And Brian's really good. I mean, we're limited to a style because Brian, 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 Brian plays one way and that's it. And so, like, right, how many demos do we make where he's just like, no, 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 no. So we'll, we'll like. He has you know, an ear for that sound. Yeah, he wants the sound. So he okay. picks all the songs. So that's just how it goes. So we're stuck in a box, but we, we, we manipulate him slowly. But you got to do it slow with him. No, yeah. So yeah, like, no, we gotta yeah. play some hippie shit yeah, now, dude. Yeah, think outside yeah. the box and then just work inside of it. Yeah. He yeah. sticks us in a box, and well, that's where our freedom is within that realm. We you, find out how to make music we like. I remember punk I, and metal beats. I don't know when it was, maybe 2013 to 2014 or something. But oh, when did you start playing with Tony? Must have been around then, right? 13 or 14. I, I remember Jay telling me yeah. we were sitting there in the shop, and he's like. Tony's starting to play with uh with Tom. They're, they're, they got this farm core thing going. I'm like, farm core? And he's like explaining it. I'm like, that's cool as shit. And then I, I played with Tony for a few years at least. And 
He's he's a monstrous musician. You know what the best of my favorite he, story? He listens. He's really good, dude. He has a, he has a unique approach. He's, he's like a James Brown bass player, but now he plays heavy metal. So it's like, wow. But this is a true story. Like, when he came in the band, and it's what we do with everybody, because we had guys come and go, so... Like, and because Brian is Brian, and this is important for me because I'm a dreamer. Brian's not. This is the songs. Learn them or fuck off. He's methodical. So when Tony came in, it's like, dude, we want you to play, but you got to learn like 10 songs before we start writing. And the one thing about it is a lot of Tony our music, there's a lot of singles. Yeah. What's that? I, I just remember Tony coming in and getting his gear together and stuff at the shop. Like, hey, fix this up. Hey, put this in here. And I remember we were. We had to drop tunings on yeah, them and yeah, 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 like, because we that, play a whole that step that down, lowered, and so guitars have to be. Uh, anyway, just right. Yeah, yeah, you got to pet the guitars. Going, 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 so, um, there's a lot of like single notes with our music, and Tony was a real like the Seinfeld bass player, and like, <laughs> so <we're> like <laughs> you know, check it out, dude. It took us like three months to get him to go ball. <laughs> Bomb, and I'm like, do that and just move your head because you can't, you know, you'd be like, he, he does that really well now. But he's had a lot of practice. He does it great now, dude. Like, yeah, so now, like, one, I swear it was like, once he did that, he came one time and he, <laughs> he's the tone, bro. And, and I'm like, yo, you gotta play one note. He's awesome. Yeah, to play he came with. and we wrote a song with him after he learned how to do the one note for like 36 bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then now he's savagely savage. He is because now yeah. he can fucking ride that group and then. Can... Yeah, because we try to stick to the point, and then when it's time to accent, accent it. We try yep. to really make the music theatrical, and so you it know, is. if you're always slamming all over the place, there's too much going on, man. Mm -hmm. Settle down, everybody, just chill the fuck out. It's that pixie loud, loud, run, quiet, run. loud thing. <laughs> the what? The loud, quiet, loud thing. You need the yeah, to feel the high. Exactly. Yeah, the juxtaposition of the two energies. Yeah, it comes with color. Like you're sitting it's there with pins and needles, you know, and then like you're dark, getting run over by a bulldozer. You don't just speak in one tone either. Amen. And this exciting. is why with our drums, we follow the vocals a lot, which is what a lot of other punk bands don't do. So it makes us a little weird. And we don't do things in standard fours hardly ever, right or wrong. Everything's like we're, we're doing like pre-fills on three ends and we're doing a lot of nothing's four four. So like over the years, we've tried out so many guys that were good musicians, but they're like, fuck this shit. It's too much to know. Like it's progressive music. <laughs> it's progressive. If you fall off, it's hard, you know, we practice falling off because you got to stop and wait and get back because the songs start and they go like this. There's not hardly not a lot of like, you know, it's not normal. But it sounds it. We keep it going. I listen to a lot of show tune music and shit. Mm -hmm. and like TV music was a big it's thing for me. Disney formula for no music. reason. Those guys, man, yeah, you listen to all that stuff in it. But, but it's very complex, but it doesn't sound that way to your ear. Right. So it's it's the simplest. It's dual dualistic. We try it's to the keep difference the music between that way. athletics and art. There's like you can be an athletic musician or you can be an artist. We but try that, to keep it that way. Somewhat yeah. interesting and yeah. tricky for us too. But, it's but if it's eclectic, eclectic. But yeah, if you go a hundred percent athletics, then you you just end up with right math metal. Math metal. Yeah, yeah. And that's only so cool. If you go with art, I mean, you can take the simplest thing and. Turn it into you take one chord, turn it into a masterpiece that lasts for hundreds of years. That's yep. the difference between the art right. and the math. Orchestras are great. I mean, geez, they take one theme and they just fucking beat it. Look at look at heroin with Lou Reed and some other the Velvet Underground shit where it's just drones and it goes on, but it, it works and it sticks and it stands the test of time. But not that there isn't cool shit you know with math metal too there's you know it's it's a whole other art form in itself I don't know I'll tell you one thing we did which was cool 
for us as a band, me and Brian, was when we come to Sean's studio. That was neat because he does it really old school way, and that was fun. And the band has just been a fucking pleasure, dude. I, I feel so happy and honored. It's a gift. I really think it's a gift all the time. It's just, so it's cool, but yeah. But that that doing the thing in your studio, Sean, that, that was fun, man. We really enjoyed it. Well, and, we're going to do more of that. Because we do a lot of recording as a band. We play out very little, and we, and we do more recording and writing than, than we do play out. Uh, and... Um, yeah. You know, we don't play out a lot like all the time, like some bands that are just playing all the time. We're kind of picky with our shows. We don't, you know, we're playing once or twice a month, and we don't do that even all the time, 12 months a year. But, um, and we go to a lot of, long story short, we go to a lot of studios, and I've been in a lot of studios. I've been working in studios for 30 years now, and but I've never really done too much like that where it's an old school style, and we're using these old fucking amps and the old Ludwig drum set, and it's live in the room, and like the band never did that. And I was a little nervous with Brian. Coming like I don't know what to write. I kept telling you guys, you, like, you guys had that room <coughs> fucking shaking like it hasn't shook before. I mean, we might have gotten there a couple of times with Ruben where it was going, but you guys did a sustained two hours of making that track. You, you had it too. dialed in. The was, mood was great, was Albert. The, the chips were there. The people were around. Mike and uh, his chick yeah. was here, and everybody. Everybody. What, geez, what's her, Mike and what's her name? What Mike's chick? Renee. Renee. His wife. Yeah, Mike and Renee. How about her with the picture taken? Yeah, yeah. We had the photo girl here, mm. Isaac's friend there. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about all the things we shouldn't say right now. You know, we're gonna edit the film, man. Edit the film. But yeah, man. No, it's, it's an amazing experience. It's cool seeing like so many musicians like existing in a simultaneous like creative space for songs and just through like communication and everything. Seeing how like every potential sort of outcome of a song is like, I mean, there's been some pretty killer stuff come out of just, even since I've been in the band and stuff, you know. The like writing process, you mean. Seeing how, yeah, songs just sort of form. Yeah. Just how, how you just work shit out. Oh, God, man. For weeks and months. And it's just, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it is a gift, myself. dude. Music is so cool. To being able to do it, like, yeah. I don't really know how it happened, but I just got into it young and just I'm kept doing it. And, and it's like, no, you know, it's good. I, I, I'm you producing now, I just, so that's awesome. Slow like, down, oh, wow, I'm a producer. Oh, cool. I'm a mason, too. I don't know. You just do these things. And like, slow on the like he said, when we work at the song, it's like, I found a producer like a coach because I do I the paintball and that, too. And so, like, you're not going to put a square fucking peg in a round hole, so you got to find out. You never know. You know, you have a, a bunch of holes in your tools, your studio stuff, things you're going to do, and things you know. And then you have all these pegs and things, and you're going to have to fit these things into your toolbox of things, and that's how you get the best out of the band. It's not like when being a music director, if I be bold to say that, it's like, or we were talking about the army guy before, a good commander listens to immortal. a good lieutenant listens to the sergeants, because everybody's so important. Right. That that everybody's it's, being it's heard, good, and, 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 and that's 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 how we develop the song to work. And because I remember if when you I was do that, <laughs> you know, you I, get it. Everybody's I input, a, and I believe the spokes on the wheel. I always say we got to always make spokes on the wheel because it's bigger than the one of its each. One goes out, the wheel wobbles. So you know, take care, brother. We'll be there at some point. So that's a big powwow thing too. Is spokes on a wheel? I believe that one is bigger than the sum, or however that saying goes. You know. Which is with farming and agriculture and culture and families and the music culture. You get the right guys together, they're 
together they can do stuff. Isaac can keep an eye on Or separate they can do stuff, but together they do this thing. Good boy. So as a producer, that's what we try to do. Produce our own music. We all produce like this. Yeah. I mean... He's smart in a different environment. He would have excelled. And how long has, has this how I've been environment going? For I mean, a dog 15 that's years. <laughs> run 20 miles a day. And it's probably a little bit This is Powwow Talk, though, because Huskies are Powwow. So, like, wow. That's another. We were always talking about nature. I think people should be close to nature. I do believe humans have a nature deficit disorder. Okay. Yeah. Our culture today is it's a nature deficit disorder. Something happens when you're close to nature. We're not above it, we're in it. It's a sphere, not a pyramid. I believe that. Like 400 feet long or so. One thing that like always like cracked me up is it's, fucking, we're always bike, you're no, you're like we're always outside. You're no I don't believe you that there really is an inside. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Like, okay, yeah, we're, so we're in this house. The where's the house? It's, it's outside. outside. Yeah, I love it. Amen. So I rip up. Like right. us, like closing a door or shutting a window miles is not like we, we think the average person thinks hour, of it as this ultimate barrier. At the same time, but <laughs> close that hit, door now, we're inside, we're not apart. Where it's just all, we're all outside. It's a funk zone. You're keeping your funk in the house. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not a shithole. <laughs> we are outside. There's a hi, doggy. Here's a brown dog, everybody. Say hi. Hey, Ringo. 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 Hi, Yogi. What are you talking about? Huskies over there? Ringo. Ringo. He's going to have a 200-mile area to live in? He'll, he'll do 20, 20 miles a day is what he's bred for. A lab. Dalmatians. He's, he's half Dalmatian. Like, look at his rib cage. You'll see it's bulbous. That's the Dalmatians. They go all the way back to Egypt. There's like... Uh, there's hieroglyphs of Dalmatians running with the chariots into battle, and they've been stable dogs that live with the horses for like four or five thousand years. When they discovered them five hundred years ago, they ended up in Germany. Dalmatia, Dalmatia, which is like Eastern Europe, coming right. down to the what's the sea there? Is that the Caspian oh, Sea? Um, Whatever it is, they're on the, the, the Dalmatia, wherever that is. They found them 500 years ago, and the aristocracy of Europe was like, oh my God, what a wonderful carriage dog. But up until that point, they had been um, sentry dogs for hunter-gatherers for thousands of years, from the, and they would run with horses. So they were used to pulling 20-mile days. That's so why that's the cool Dalmatian... on Dalmatians, dude. They, and that's why they've got the bulbous... Anytime you see a Dalmatian, look at their rib cage. They're meant for cardio shit, and they have a huge rib cage. Like and, a greyhound. And, and they'll do... They'll oh, Okay, we need to cover 1,000 miles in five days. Okay, and they do 100 miles a day for like whatever. Huskies, Huskies. 10 days. One, yeah, yeah, like that. But... Ringo's a unique thing. He's, <laughs> he's also a Labrador, which was first so bred. So stupid. <laughs> he's got a lab, but here's what the, lab, the labs were originally bred for something equally amazing. Swimming. Imagine you're Vikings, and you're sitting there up in the North Sea somewhere, and it's the middle of winter, and you're in the North Sea, and there's waves rolling in, and you've got fishing nets out there. The Labrador Retriever was bred to jump into the fucking freezing cold ocean, swim out, grab the net, and drag it back in, in the middle of winter. So that's what they retrieve. That's why they're a retriever. Oh, now because they, they catch would ducks. Now they'll get ducks or anything you shoot. Yeah, waterfowl. But you guys, were, you come from a hunting background, yes? You guys must know about these dogs. Um, we have we've never really done any kind of. Or at least I haven't with um, you know, waterfowl and duck hunting. Yeah. But um, in I'm not sure what 
my uncle's guy. You know, they'll, you they'll should do a podcast with podcast. your fucking grandfather, man. Dude, oh, that would be badass. Yeah. I, I he could do it. Like, he's still together, times, man. But oh, I yeah. He's, yeah. I can only imagine he's okay. He was hurt for a minute. He, yeah, he fell and he broke his clavicle, his collarbone, and six ribs. Oh, oh my God. But they had him in the hospital. They took him. Is it Nitten? Oh, no, he's fine now. He, he's, he's fine. His collarbone, they had him in a sling that was just not a sling he was supposed to be in. And his collarbone just healed wrong. It was just sticking out. We oh, took man. him down to the doctor. That and he's just know, in good spirits? Or is he chill? Oh, yeah, he's yeah, like, he's, ah, you know, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I, <laughs> I had to buy him a new Ford hat the other day. Did you? Yeah, cool. How old is he? He's 86, I believe. Dale, his grandfather is like just a real cool old guy, man, from around here. And he has, you know, his family is huge here. I don't know if you know this. But yeah. 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 And I grew up here, so. Okay. You know, knowing them all. My mom used to own the Village Market. You guys are 1700s, aren't you up here? 1796, I believe. And that's up into the Poconos. You probably came out of Jersey before that. Do you guys have like French in you somewhere? Um, We've got German. Definitely um, German. That's kind of like having French. Yeah, German, Pennsylvania, Dutch. My last name is uh, Welsh. It comes from Wales. Okay. It, used, it was at price. There, we, there's like this book. I wish I, wish I knew where it was because I remember I was younger. I read like the first couple pages. I'm like, this is cool. Maybe I'll read it some other time. Yeah, you, you got to find that. Yeah, it's hmm. um, some someone in our family, a couple generations back, wrote it, and it's just about the history and. Yeah, the last name comes from Wales. This is the third version of that name. It's the last version, well, it was at Price. It was spelled A-P-R-Y-C-E. Then it was Price with a Y, now it's Price with an I. Huh. And um, I'm not really sure about other than, you know, German, Italian, because my great-grandmother was from Sicily. Okay. But um, German, Italian, Pennsylvania, Dutch, and... I guess some Welsh in there. Somewhere. Wow, Sicilian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm part Sicilian a little bit. So, other than that, I'm not really too sure. Um, yeah, plenty of time to find out more, though. That's cool shit. That's all kinds of good stuff to look up. Dutch. They definitely came down from the Hudson Valley into this area. We're Dutch. They were here They were here a while, because this is all New Amsterdam at one point, right? Mm-hmm. I know, who was it? The guy that founded my grandmother down by West Trenton, New Jersey. She was married to my grandfather, of course. And my grandfather's grandfather, his, he was born in 1832. And his mother was a maid. And so the story goes, his father was a Van Zant who he founded Doylestown and she was the maid for the guy that founded Doylestown and he knocked her up and she kept the maiden name of Wilson at that point but it's really Van Zant's but those Van Zant's came out of New Amsterdam in the 1600s when they were pushing north and he bought up all of what's now Doylestown Uh, these ones are Van Wise up here Okay, the copper miners and Van Zant's down there So the copper miners, uh, is that the copper mine over in the water gap? 
That's that's so fucking cool. I used to go there all the time. As soon as I got a driver's license when I was 17, it was like 1987, and it was weekend. I'm like, come on, guys, everyone get in the car, and we'd all get stoned and drive up to the fucking water gap and hike into the thing and go back to the copper mines before the gate was on it or anything. It was up in New York State, like 100 miles, but I've never been up there. I don't know where. Apparently, they, they... from what I understand now, I've had guys up there tell me that the Indians had copper up there, but I don't think they found copper. I, I remember reading books, and I'd like to know this for real, that the Dutch looked for copper. The Indians had copper, but it came from wherever the fuck, well, there was New some, Mexico or well, somewhere no, it, ridiculously it came from, far. from Michigan. The, yeah. the oldest mining there is on Isle Royale. Right, there's no copper Lake here, Superior. Correct? No, there is. There's the purest copper on the face of the earth. In the Northeast? In in uh, Isle Royale. Michigan. Michigan, in Lake in Superior, an island on the North Shore of Superior, right. is Isle Royale, and they were mining that shit 7,000 years ago. And that's ago. where these Indians were getting the copper 7, from 7,000 years ago. Which is amazing. And then the shit's worked its way all the way into Egypt, too. Like, they, I guess they can look at the isotopes and yeah. tell the origin of the copper on the planet. And, like, 3,500, 4,500 years ago, there's copper sitting in... Uh, Egyptian artifacts that came from that area, apparently, as I've read in a lot of places. But yeah, there was, there's pure veins of copper, like 12 feet wide, that they would just hack out with fucking hatchets and, and just pure copper. There's ingots the size of this table that weigh like, you know, 20,000 right, pounds. Right, but then I don't know if they found it here, that's all, because I know the Dutch, they built that road, it was 100 miles up, and they never got no there, copper, and they fucking ditched, and then the English bought the area. I, I don't, I, I know there's, I think, six or seven mines, if you go to the copper mines over there in the water gap on right. the Jersey side, you hit the first big one off of the creek, but if you go straight up, it's almost a cliff, but not quite. You hit the next layer. Do you and know if they ever found copper in. in them? Did they ever find copper or not? I know that the first mine went back. I don't know if they found copper, but Cause just because they dug a hole, don't mean they found nothing. The first mine goes mm-hmm. back straight back level, a hundred and thirty feet. It turns left at that point, goes out, and goes another 25 or 30 feet and opens up into a room about as big as this. If you turn right instead at that point, it goes about 40 feet. You hit another dead end. They dig out a little bit, but 15 feet before that, you turn left and it goes back into the last mine. That's the biggest copper mine back there. You've been in them. I've been in them multiple Mm -hmm. times. I've pulled, I've got a couple of crystals like this big I've pulled out of them that were uh, sitting in the clay. There's just like crystals laying in the clay water like there's pools back there but then you go up a hundred feet higher up the side of the cliff because it's a gorge that was eaten out so you can just hit different strata there's another one that goes back and then there's another one that goes back they were looking for and then there's another one that digging goes their back. asses off and, and there's six shit. or seven multiple strata yeah, layers they moved up the river now if you go up from there and you follow what seems like the logical way further up the hill another 20 or 30 minutes you get to a big field with white stones in it and it's a Lenape burial ground that's uh-huh. up on top there in the water gap. But you got to get way the fuck back in the woods. You're not on any trail at that point. I've I been there in 30 years. Uh, I know there's a Lenape in Henryville. It's in the woods. It's awesome. It's I've what is there, it? Lenape burial ground. Burial ground. It's, yeah, it's all these piles of stones. The guy that owns the property said they had it. The, 
So it's a place to revere. So fucking wild, dude. And there's a cool beaver habitat right there, man. That's awesome. And she's an old guy, Alvin Ziegler. He's like, you know, when we first bought the property, I thought there was some pioneer back there but on, a, on a fool's errand. Hmm? <laughs> Stacking rocks for nothing, you know? Because I was like, dude, what are those rocks? Because when oh. we seen it, my buddy, oh. who I used to play in a band unit ready with, uh, Luke, he's like, he, he 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 didn't know what it was. And I'm like, dude, look at these fucking mounds. I'm like, dude, this what is this? He's like, oh, it's an old old resort or something. I'm like, no way, dude. No way. This doesn't make sense. Where was it? No, he's like, that must have been a gate. I'm like, no, 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 no. And so we went up and seen the old man. I was like, hey, man, you know, he owns a property. What is that shit? I was like, that's burial grounds? He goes, you know, that's what it is, Tommy. Because I had seen pictures and shit of that and read about it. Yeah, it's really neat. And some of them had like little squares with like holes in them and he said the people that came and who they were man some people from uh the, he got a government official to come and they had a few people come over years he said but i forget who he told me they were but they said that the indians thought was how they come in and out of the mm-hmm. netherworld right through the holes i guess they laid the people on top and let the coyotes get them right let them yeah they build the mounds and put the bodies on them it's like the Tibetans letting the vultures come in and eat all the flesh before yeah. they take the bones in. And sky burial. Yep, sky yeah. burial. That's it. Yeah. I heard a story. They have the I Muslims hack them up. I don't know if it's. <laughs> I don't know if that? this yeah. is true. You you grew up here mostly, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I heard this story, and I don't know if it's true, but I I believed the guy when he told me, and he seemed honest. But he said, I think it was at some point, maybe in the eighties probably the 90s but he was an old Indian guy from the area and he realized he was he was getting up there and he was going to check out and he hiked up to Cresco Heights and he had his he had a musket with him or his rifle with him and he hung a sign around his neck that said do not disturb and he sat down there and he waited till he died I don't know and they had to story. go up there and pull him down. I don't know if anyone you remembers that. You know what year is this? I don't know. It might have been 80s or 90s. He was no, an old Indian guy. I've never heard it. That's a very interesting story, though. I yeah. hope it's true. I would <laughs> like to think it is. The guy, the guy that told me, he was at the Sailorsburg Flea Market, but he has tons of artifacts and he's a local. And he's probably got five or six or eight years on me. And he grew up here. And he, he told me that happened. So I always thought that was a pretty amazing story. He knows his name. I forget his name. This was like two and a half years ago. I heard that. I see him there once in a blue. I got to talk to him. He's like on my list of people I need to talk to because he's pretty interesting. Cool things, right? There's another guy that sells lots of weird rakes and tools there. I got to talk to too. Where is that? Sailorsburg? Sailorsburg Flea Market. You, you just saying I just got to go there with the Mud Buddies, man. Do you remember that show with Davey? In the fucking dog. Davey and Goliath? Yeah. Davey. Oh, my God. You wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning on a cartoon day. This yep. is being a child of the 70s. It's this. And you, you go, you're like, I can't wait for the cartoons. And you turn it on. The only thing is Davey and Goliath. You're like, oh, all right. I'll sit through it. It'll happen. I'll make it through. But, yeah, it, it's always like some fucking thing where the dog's got to go do something or rescue some shit. It works out. And then you get into the whole heart of the matter, which is burning up your entire fucking childhood watching television. Mm-hmm. What a fucking sad thing. Oh, God. But anyway. If it's one of those days and you're feeling afraid, and there's no one to blame, try me. But please understand if it seems like I hate, that I don't ever want this way. How sorry I am, I'm so 
Sleep to believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it.